The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Away for six weeks, and it's nice to be back. Nice to see you all here. At the retreat that I was teaching, I was um, giving the Dharma talk every Thursday night, and so that was convenient. (laughs) Here I am again on Thursday night. So um, for the next few weeks, I thought I would explore a topic um, basically of meditation and cultivating qualities that support our our meditation and our spiritual life. The qualities that I'd like to uh, look at are called the five faculties. And just briefly, they are confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And these, these qualities are understood to be the, uh, the kind of the the ground out of which the, our spiritual life flourishes. And if we think about these qualities, actually, um, you know, they're not simply qualities that are exclusive to a, a spiritual practice or a meditative practice. They're actually qualities that are supportive for the development of any skill, if you think about what it takes to hmm, cultivate or develop the skill, for instance, of playing the piano, the first thing you need to do is to know something about what you're doing. So a little bit of wisdom around the playing of the piano, where the notes are on the paper and how those relate to the notes on the keyboard and then learning something about the terminology and how to press the keys and how to use the pedals and you know so there's this there's a little bit of wisdom that's imparted from a teacher and the um, this information can lead towards a sense of confidence that one could possibly do this and that confidence is necessary to continue, actually. A sense that, yes, this is something that I can engage in. It's it's necessary to continue. If you don't feel like you can do it, likely the energy goes out of your system and you may just not engage at all. And so the, the, the confidence is necessary to develop this skill of playing the piano. And once you have this confidence, often a natural energy comes for engaging with practicing. The practice of um, any skill will need mindfulness. The awareness of what's happening in the present moment. If your mind is wandering off into thinking about TV shows or, or what you did yesterday, you're not going to be able to stay in the present moment with the practice of playing the piano. And so the mindfulness is necessary also. And the concentration, which is the kind of the continuity of attention on the practice. If the mind is kind of coming and going and not really focused on the experience of playing the piano, not much is going to deepen. The, the, you may develop a little bit of skill, but the, the, to really deepen in the skillfulness, you, you need some continuity of the, of the mindfulness and energy together. And all of those processes, of all of those together, of the confidence in doing the skill, the engagement or the energy applied to it, the mindfulness to keep the task in mind and the concentration, all of those create the conditions for a deepening of the learning, a deepening of the understanding of what it means to play the piano. The skill begins to get stronger. One... Um, one has the uh, sense or the understanding not just of where the notes are on the paper and how they relate to the keyboard, but perhaps more immediately there can be a, a transference of you see the, the notes and 
automatically you know where the notes are. You don't have to look for them. So that's a kind of a deepening of the uh, understanding of what it means to play the piano. And this cycle continues. With that deepening, there's more confidence, more energy applied, etc. And so these, these qualities are... The Buddha highlighted these qualities as qualities that allow us to cultivate the skill of our meditation. We can think about our meditation as being a skill. It's not something that we just you know, either have a talent for or not. There may be some people who have more of a proclivity towards certain states of meditation, but we can all cultivate this skill by cultivating these qualities. So, as with the um, way these faculties kind of support each other with learning how to play the piano, in a similar way they support each other in terms of learning the skill of meditation. When we have confidence in our ability to engage with mindfulness practice, with meditation practice, It energizes us. We're interested in trying. And that um, creates the the flow of mindfulness, which encourages the concentration, which adds to our wisdom. The cycle continues. And so I'd like to, to speak in brief tonight about all of these qualities and kind of how they fit together. And then over the course of the next few weeks, I'd like to talk about them from different perspectives. So, in terms of meditation, in terms of our spiritual life, typically these spiritual faculties, these five faculties, the first one is confidence. The, the texts say we start with confidence in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And um, I think that actually means that we have to start with wisdom. We have to start with understanding a little bit about what the Buddha taught, what his teaching was, and how the the Sangha supports us. So I'd like to back up to wisdom and start this discussion, this exploration, with looking at what is it that we need to understand or what is it that we need to um, um, be interested in to develop our meditation practice to enter into this spiritual journey, this spiritual, this spiritual path. The first thing that we have to understand is what the perspective the Buddha was teaching from. He was teaching from the perspective of looking at us as human beings and seeing that we tend to engage in the world, engage in our lives in ways that don't necessarily serve us to be truly happy. We think we are engaging in our lives. We think we're acting in ways that are supportive for our happiness. Generally, we wouldn't go about our lives doing things in order to make ourselves unhappy. And yet, the Buddha in his um, exploration of his own mind, began to see that the way our minds typically work, we're kind of short-sighted and we go for the short hit of some kind of pleasure, which may be counterproductive for us. It may be that going for this short hit of pleasure, this immediate gratification of some kind of pleasant experience, actually is taking us away from a deeper kind of happiness, a truer kind of peace and ease in our lives. And so his whole perspective was around this question of how can we be happy? How can we be truly happy? Not just how can we have moment after moment of pleasantness in our lives, but how can we be truly happy? Which kind of... um, a way to look at what he meant by true happiness is where the mind is not reactive to 
the circumstances of our life. Essentially, I said to somebody the other day, balanced in the midst of chaos. Because the world is full of chaos. And we're probably not going to change that. But we can find a way to find a balance and an ease and a peace in the midst of that. Even as we may be acting to try to change the world, to affect justice in the world. Even as we may be trying to change the chaos or add some kindness and love to that chaos, we can be at ease in the midst of that, not having a sense of hatred, aversion, greed, fear around that chaos. And so this perspective that the Buddha offers us is it's possible to be balanced in the midst of chaos. It's possible to act in this world not out of greed, out of fear, out of confusion, out of aversion, but to act out of love and kindness and compassion. And the heart that acts out of love and kindness and compassion is a heart that is more at ease and open, more allowing and accepting. And so this is the turning of the mind that the Buddha suggests for us. That it's not, basically he suggests that the reasons why we struggle so much, the vast majority of the reason why we struggle in our lives is because we're acting, we're motivated by things, by qualities of mind that tend to make us reactive to the world. Greed, aversion, delusion. And so he suggests looking at cultivating qualities that lead us towards love, towards kindness, towards compassion, and letting go of those things that lead us towards greed, aversion, and delusion. Reorienting us in the world towards a place of balance in the midst of confusion, in the midst of the chaotic nature of the world. So he had a number of ways of expressing this, and I'll talk about those, I think, more in more detail in the coming weeks. But the key, really, in terms of this reorientation, is that the wisdom that the Buddha offers us is what are the qualities of mind that support us in moving towards true happiness. These qualities of love, of kindness, compassion, of equanimity, of concentration, of mindfulness. A shorthand way to kind of encapsulate all of those qualities is that they're all rooted in non-greed, non-aversion, and non-delusion. And so to learn how to cultivate those qualities and let go of all of those states of mind, of reactivity that are based in greed, aversion, and delusion. Fear, anger, boredom, hatred, pride, greed, desire, irritation. Things as subtle as annoyance to full-blown hatred and cruelty. A whole range of states of mind that tend to tie us to this cycle of reactivity. And paradoxically, although maybe not so paradoxically, once we start looking at it, we often think that in acting out of those states of mind, out of greed, aversion, and delusion, that we're doing something that will make us happy. You know, we're trying to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. And so we think we're doing what we need to do in order to make ourselves happy. But we're not really seeing clearly because when we actually begin to look at how we are when we're acting out of greed, aversion, and delusion, there is suffering right there. There is stress and struggle right there. The very not liking the very wanting to have something we don't have, the very wanting to push something away, within that very wanting, 
there's already a feeling that something's wrong and we're not happy. And so this does lead to the question, which I'll, I think I'll address more next week, about, well, how do we do anything if we don't want it? <laughs> you know, this is a question that comes up a lot. When we talk about the, uh, you know, that wanting is a kind of the, the root of our struggles, it's like, well, what do I do if I don't want something? You know, the, this wanting that causes our difficulty it's a kind of wanting that is denying what, denying the truth of reality. It, it the, the kind of wanting that is problematic is the kind of wanting that says, if you satisfy me, if you satisfy this wanting, then you'll be happy. In fact, you'll be really happy. That wanting that talks to us in this way doesn't let you know that you'll only be happy for a really short time. So, there are other motivations that we can act out of. We can act out of aspiration and um, uh, kindness this um, movement towards aspiration or acting in the world with an open heart is an action that doesn't demand a certain result. It is open to receive what comes in spite of thinking that we know what we want. So this reorientation that the Buddha offers us. Maybe it speaks to us. We hear some other teachings that the Buddha talked about, teachings about meditation and how we can actually begin to find some peace of mind in the midst of chaos and confusion. And this perhaps generates a sense of interest in engaging with some of the practices that the Buddha taught. For, for the main teachings of the Buddha are not about just hearing teachings and thinking they make sense. They are about looking into our own hearts and minds and confirming that they make sense. The Buddha doesn't actually ask us to take anything on his word alone. He says, try it and see. Come and see. If you, if you explore your own hearts and minds, you will see the truth of a kind of a, a road to happiness. That's a possibility for us to live. So this may encourage us to try. And I think this is, this is really the, the beginning of faith or confidence. It's hearing something from what the Buddhists taught and being willing to try and see. When I first heard some of the wisdom teachings of the Buddha, I read this book. I was in the Peace Corps and somebody sent me a book about um, meditation and mindfulness practice. And, you know, not much of the book made sense to me, but I I got one thing out of the book, and that was something, if I had to encapsulate what I learned from that book, it was something like, see if you can pay attention to your emotions rather than acting on them. And I thought, well, what good is that going to do? You know, anger was my big problem, as many of you know this already. Anger was my big issue, and... um, I thought, well, what, is it, what good is it going to do to pay attention to my anger? Won't that just make me more angry? But I would pretty much hit bottom, and I was willing to give it a try. So with that reading of that book, there was that little tiny bit of wisdom that I thought, well, nothing else has worked. I might as well see if this will work. And so I began seeing if I could, rather than acting on my anger, 
to see what does it feel like to be angry? What is, it, what is the experience of being angry? That was the question I began to explore. So that was a sense of willingness. So just a little bit of faith. I mean, it wasn't terribly um, strong faith, I have to say. It was kind of like more, well, nothing else has worked. Let's see if, what this can do, you know? But at least it got me to try. So that can, be, that can be where our faith begins, is a willingness to run the experiment. In some ways, I think of the Buddha's um, teachings as being a kind of a science of our mind. He offers us experiments that we can run on our own mind. Run the experiment. Try it and see. So this sense of interest in exploring, the sense of willingness to engage, leads to the next quality of energy. Energy in this case is energy directed towards our meditation, towards our mindfulness practice. And it's defined as being um, energy towards the cultivation of those beautiful qualities, love, kindness, compassion, energy towards the letting go of those qualities that take us towards suffering, greed, aversion, and delusion. So this is the energy that we engage with. It's imbued already with the wisdom that the Buddha offers us. There's a kind of a... um, gentle persistence that this quality of energy comes with. Just the willingness to keep trying. When we think of applying effort, we often think of, you know, pushing hard or, you know, it's like if we really want to do something that is challenging, we muster our energy and we gather and we we make a strong effort. So the way we normally think about energy and effort in our lives, you know, like let's, you know, let's go to the gym and let's, you know, lift the 50-pound weights and let's get really strong or something. Well, actually, when you think about it, even going to the gym, it's helpful to start small. You know, start with the one-pound weights and then the two-pound weights and then the five-pound weights and then the ten-pound weights. And likewise with our meditation practice, it actually is helpful the amount of energy that we need to make is just enough energy to be present for this moment. In fact, we can't do anything more than that. The whole art of our meditation is finding a balance of presence of mind in the the very present moment. And the present moment's pretty small. It's pretty light. It doesn't last very long. And so... It doesn't take much effort, like right now. How much effort does it take for you to notice the sensations of your hands? Notice the experience of your hips and buttocks against the chair or cushion or bench. It doesn't take much effort to do that for a split second. The way we apply energy in this practice is to make that little brief connection and then do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. It's a um, short moments over and over and over again. So it's a very light touch of effort with a gentle persistence. That's the quality of our effort, and that generates a kind of an energy very organically, very naturally. There's a, um, a game that kids sometimes play, maybe not so much in this country anymore, but you know, if you have a hoop, you know, kids used to have a hoop and then have a little stick and you tap the hoop to get the hoop rolling and see how long you can make the hoop roll by giving it taps, keep it oriented on an axis and keep the momentum going to keep the wheel rolling, the the hoop rolling. To start that, 
it's probably not so helpful to give that hoop a big whack. First of all, it's going to get ahead of you, and so it'll just fall down. It's more helpful to just give it very light, gentle tap, 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 tap to get the momentum of the hoop going. And over time, as you've tapped and gotten that hoop rolling, you begin to, it begins to, get, to gain some momentum and you don't have to make as contact just quite as frequently. So it begins with the, the small, gentle, light taps and then you begin to or, uh, recognize when does that hoop begin to wobble and give it another little tap. The energy and the effort in our meditation practice is kind of like that. We start with these little moments, just this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. And the momentum of the mindfulness begins to build. The momentum of our practice begins to build. And then there's kind of a flow that begins. We don't have to make so much persistent effort. We just begin to get familiar with when our meditation begins to get wobbly. And then reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. So the, um, the practice of applying effort already is including mindfulness. We're already engaged with, in fact, what we're being effortful around is the mindfulness. What we're trying to connect with is the being present in, this pres- in the present moment. Kind of a simple definition of mindfulness is just that being aware of what's happening while it's happening. Presence of mind in the present moment. So this state of mindfulness we are cultivating with our energy. We are recognizing what's happening in the present moment. And the effort is directing us towards encouraging the more skillful qualities of mind. So not a mindfulness that is oriented around getting what I want and getting what I won't, don't want, but a mindfulness that is oriented around open, allowing, accepting, kind, receptive attention in the present moment. And so the application of our energy cultivates this skillful mindfulness. As energy and mindfulness come together. We engage with being aware of what's happening in the present moment. Moment after moment, noticing our experience. This, the mindfulness of the Buddha's path is a mindfulness directed towards what is the experience that's happening in the present moment. What is the experience of being human in the present moment? Not about what we think about it, but what is the experience? Hearing is happening. Body sensations are happening. Moods, emotions are happening. Thoughts arise. Usually we jump on thoughts and start thinking and get lost. But you can even see thoughts arising in the present moment. Noticing our experience What is happening in the present moment? This is the uh, gateway to begin to understand what our minds are doing and how they work. This is really the, uh, the experiments that the Buddha suggested we run. Look at your mind. Look at your mind. How does it work when you're reactive? Look at your mind. How does it work when the heart is open? This mindfulness that we're cultivating is non-judgmental. It is open and allowing of whatever's arising, including something like anger. So that experiment that I was running when I was uh, just starting my practice of what does it feel like to have the experience of anger? That was a different way of relating to my anger. 
rather than getting caught in the story and thinking about the person that I was angry with and what I was going to do to them and, and how they were so mean and what I needed to instruct them about. Rather than getting lost in that whole thing, I was feeling the experience. This gives the mind, begins to give the mind an education in how it works. So even though anger is a quality that ultimately is released, it is also something that with mindfulness, when mindfulness and energy, when these faculties are brought together to, to look at, to turn towards, to meet the experience of anger, or any of the difficult emotions, any of the reactive emotions, when we turn towards them, rather than allowing our minds to be controlled by them and act out of them, when we turn towards them, they begin to reveal their nature. They begin to show us that they are not the way to happiness. So we begin to learn about these qualities. And the mind in seeing them with this perspective of mindfulness naturally begins to release and let go of the tendency towards these reactive states of mind. Mindfulness is an amazing quality, truly amazing quality that has the capacity to, in the being mindful, being aware of difficult states of mind, being aware of anger, of confusion, of restless mind, of boredom, of hatred, of irritation, creates the conditions for those qualities to begin to appear less and less frequently. It begins to allow the mind to to let go and not head in that direction so much. When we bring our mindful attention to beautiful qualities of mind like kindness, joy, happiness, tranquility, patience, concentration, mindfulness itself, when we turn our mindful attention to those qualities, it actually creates the conditions for them to appear more frequently. And so this simple tool of mindfulness guides the mind towards true happiness. The simple tool of mindfulness guided by the wisdom of the Buddha. So mindfulness with this energy together begins to get this momentum going. The tapping that I was talking about, the momentum of the mindfulness starts to unfold and there's more continuity, more more continuous mindfulness. And with that continuity of mindfulness, we begin to see more clearly begin to understand our minds more clearly because we're, we're seeing just exactly how the mind is doing what it's doing. Or actually, the mind is seeing itself. It feels like we are seeing it, but the mind is really seeing itself. That momentum of the mindfulness is concentration. That's a, a definition of concentration. A continuity of Mindfulness. So it's a stability of mind. The mind is stable in the present moment, not whipped around, not pulled out by random thoughts that come through. That's the experience of concentration, that the mind is here, willing to be here, to see what's happening in the present moment. Willingness and ability to be here for whatever is happening, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, the mind stabilizes in the present moment and then begins to understand exactly how the mind, how it works. It begins to see the, well, that very first thing I um, talked about that I worked with 
the turning towards the anger, to looking at the anger. After a couple months of doing that in my daily life, I began to see one time in particular, one moment in particular, I was, I was in my kitchen and I was cutting an apple and I saw a thought arise in my mind about the person that I was angry with. I wasn't like trying to be mindful. In fact, I was just kind of in my kitchen doing my thing. Mindfulness was apparently fairly present because I could see in retrospect what it saw. It had to be pretty present for what it saw. It saw this thought of this person that I was angry with in the mind. It saw the kind of the, the inclining towards jumping on that thought and thinking more thoughts to get angry. And having spent months, because this was a couple months into my process, having spent months being with anger, turning towards it, this is what it feels like to be angry. Yes, oh, this doesn't feel very good. Having spent months seeing the suffering of anger, when the mind saw that it was headed there, it just dropped it like, you know, a hot stone or something. You know, it just let go. So the continuity of mindfulness begins to, so this mindfulness and concentration together begins to show the mind, begins to show us how we get caught. The continuity of mindfulness begins to give the mind an education in the state, the states of anger, of confusion, of irritation, of wanting, of that kind of craving, none of them in the present moment feel good at all. And there's a kind of a natural homing mechanism in our mind that leads us towards well-being, let's say. And when our mind begins to understand that these states do not in any way contribute to our well-being, the mind begins to let go of them. This is the wisdom revealed. This is the deepening of wisdom through the practice. In our... uh, in our exploration we grow in our wisdom and the that very growing it cycles back to this beginning again so having seen some of the way that the mind works having seen like in that case that example i just gave where the mind saw that it was headed towards anger and let go of it. That was an amazing moment in my practice because it was very clear to me that I would have, having had not, if I had not been practicing, I would have been off into that painful experience of anger again. And so the, um, that wisdom, that kind of, verified wisdom of how beneficial the practice was made me really want to continue practicing. It was like, wow, if the mind can see this, like a th- it was like the subtle thought flitting through the mind. The mind can see that and see how the anger was just dying to be constructed and then not go there. This stuff's pretty powerful. So there's that sense of confidence, of interest in engaging based on kind of a verified understanding of what the Buddha was talking about. We see through, for ourselves that this practice helps us. And when we get that hit of how practice helps us, not just intellectually, but actually in our present moment experience, We want to continue. And that generates more confidence, generates more energy, generates more 
mindfulness, concentration, which deepens to another layer, another level of wisdom. So one of the things about these factors, these faculties, is that these factors, these five, energy, um, faith or confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom, these qualities themselves are wholesome, beautiful qualities of mind. And we can begin to recognize them themselves. We can begin to get familiar with what it feels like when we have a sense of confidence, of, of willingness. It might just simply feel like, yeah, I'm willing to try this. It might be that simple. That willingness to engage. Can you recognize that? The sense of, yeah, I can do this. It, gets, it can get to that point where it really feels like there's no question that you can meet your experience. And that sense of confidence is worth acknowledging, recognizing. And then that sense of interest and engagement, a kind of an enthusiasm perhaps for the practice itself, that's the energy. There's a sense of lightness and engagement, that sense of engagement, that's the quality of energy. And recognizing that itself. Getting familiar with what mindfulness feels like. Boy, this is a really important one. I'll probably spend some more time on this in the coming weeks. When we really get familiar with what mindfulness feels like, we know, we, we know the taste and the texture of that presence of mind. It helps us to recognize this because it actually happens to us a lot. It happens to us in just little brief moments throughout the day, but we don't often recognize it because our habit is to act on or to think about or to do something with what we have become aware of. So getting familiar with mindfulness begins to point out to us that this quality is actually a very ordinary quality of mind. It's just happening. It happens a lot. You know, we couldn't live our lives without mindfulness. And so to get familiar with that quality begins to cultivate it because we're recognizing it. It's really simple. And again, seemingly kind of magic in a way, the way it works. And then the sense or the feeling of concentration, the feeling of the mind being stable, just here, present, not being pulled off into thoughts. That's the feeling of concentration. Again, recognize it when you're in meditation at times. There may be periods of time where it feels like, oh yeah, it's actually pretty easy to be here with the breath. Maybe for only like 10 breaths or so, but for those 10 breaths, it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a taste of what that sense of stability of mind is. So just seeing if you can take an interest in these qualities themselves as you're exploring your experience, as you are turning with mindfulness towards paying attention to the breath, as you are um, exploring something challenging or difficult perhaps in your meditation practice, these qualities are being cultivated. They have to be being cultivated. As they would be if you were practicing playing the piano. So there, you, know, you don't have to make a big project out of trying to find them, but just to explore a little bit. Maybe you can get familiar with these qualities right in the very practicing of your path. So there's a couple more things I could say, but I do want to see if there's any questions or comments. So... Um,
if you have a question that you feel like is uh, maybe not so it feels like a silly question or something you can be assured that there are probably uh, several other people in the room who have a similar kind of question so no question is unworthy I appreciate any question any questions Okay, I'll say a few other words then. So another way to look at these five faculties is that there's a kind of a need for them to be balanced. Mindfulness is the balancing quality. It's the quality that kind of is the when one, one place the, the Buddha talks about various qualities that are helpful to cultivate, if the mind is dull, he says, you know, then, or sleepy, then you need to energize the mind, brighten the mind. If the mind is a little too restless, you need to calm the mind down. But in that sutta, he says, but mindfulness, I declare, is always useful. That sometimes we may need to, you know, not cultivate certain qualities if the mind is dull or not cultivate certain qualities if the mind is restless. But mindfulness, he says, always cultivate that, that quality. It's really the one that helps us to see what is happening. The other factors, the other factor, faculties, faith, the faculty of faith, of confidence, needs to be balanced with wisdom. These two are kind of you know, opposing poles, or they both need to be present and strong, but they can't be out of balance. If faith is strong and wisdom is weak, that's the condition that leads towards a kind of a blind faith, where we're not really connected to or understanding what it is that we are engaged with. When faith is strong and wisdom is weak, we may do or say things in the name of something that we don't truly understand. If wisdom is strong and faith is weak, we're probably not going to engage. It takes the faith to motivate us to engage in the practice in this in this teaching in particular because the all of the wisdom of the buddha is about practices it's not about intellectual understanding it's the intellectual understanding that the buddha wants us to gain is a motivation to practice and so if wisdom is strong if we're just taking in it the information as learning and learning and thinking and not engaging that's we're also out of out of balance and so they they need to come into balance they need to be in balance these two so that there's an engagement and a um a sense of understanding what we're engaged with The other two that need to be in balance are energy and concentration. If energy is weak and concentration is strong, you tend to get a mind that sinks into sleepiness. Concentration is uh, weak and energy is strong. You tend to get a mind that's running around restless and not able to stabilize. So again, these two need to kind of come into alignment, into balance, so that there's a hmm, a balance between 
doing and resting in a kind of a way. The energy being the doing and the concentration being the resting. Concentration is a quality of mind that allows the mind to rest. The doing, the energy, is the quality that we engage, we engage with. So there needs to be this balance between doing and resting. So I'd like to encourage you to contemplate these qualities a little bit and perhaps explore them in your own practice some. The very simple meditation instructions that we offer here, you know, just simply be with the breath, turn your attention to the experience of breathing. When you notice the mind going off into thought, come back to the breath. See if you can notice the arising of emotion, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral experience, and meet it, be with it. These instructions encompass all of these qualities. The wisdom is kind of embedded in the instructions to turn towards experience and meet it rather than following on with our thoughts and emotions, but just to simply, what is happening here and now? Can you be with that experience? The wisdom is embedded in that. The confidence is expressed by the willingness to do it. The energy by the actual doing of it. The mindfulness by the meeting of moment to moment what you're experiencing. The rising, the falling of the breath, the in and out, the rhythm of the breath. And the concentration is a result of practice. It's not something we can do, but it arises naturally as the mind stabilizes, as the, as the energy and mindfulness come together. Concentration naturally arises, which allows us to see, which allows us to begin to see. I mean, you may see just in the simplicity of settling the mind on the breath, how difficulties, you know, let go of that thought about what that person said to you yesterday and come back to the breath. And you begin to notice that when you let go of that thought, that there's a more ease and a peace in the mind. That's a little bit of wisdom that's cultivated. So the the very simple instructions that we offer are bringing these qualities together. You can't do the practice without cultivating these qualities. So, next week I'll talk about wisdom and faith in a little bit more depth. Thank you for your attention.